Hello, this is Alan, the Christmas robot elf, just here to give a little warning about the episode you're about to listen to. So, be careful, because there's a little bit more smut in it than normal. Well, it is Christmas after all. Enjoy! I've just about had enough of you. What is a Christmas? Oh, Santa Claus! I wish you the very best of everything. It is an occasion for great joy and peace on the planet Earth. If we hurry, we can get back in time for Christmas Eve. Hello, and happy Christmas, and welcome to... Our final 50 Years of Shit Robots, open brackets, advent special, close brackets, with me, Matt Brown, hello, and Stephen Murray. Hello. Now, oh, what's that? Someone's at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, open open it up and let them in. Look, it's our old friend and Doctor Who nerd, Neil Bushnell. Uh, hello, hello, Neil. Hello, hello, hello man. Come How on in. You? Come good. Come on in. Oh, it's uh, freezing out there. <laughs> sit down by the fire. Would you oh, like that's a, better. Would you like a cup uh, of some eggnog? Why not? Oh, yeah. oh you sat on my Yule tide log. <laughs> not just, for the just, first time. Just. just... <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to, in all my years of broadcasting. To have a Christmas special where guests arrive and, you know what I mean, that's sort of like Val Dunican, Bing Crosby-esque. Hello. I'm David Bowie. I live down the road. Oh. Come on in. I'm Bing. Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. Now, it's Christmas Eve now. What goes on in your house at Christmas Eve? I mean, old Scrooge McDuck over there eats raw potatoes and... And throws hot oil on passing carol singers. Well, once we finish driving past Stephen's house and egging it, then um, <laughs> eggnogging it. Thank egg-nogging you. It. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my yeah. my girls are off at uni now, so they're coming home just before uh, uh, Christmas Eve. Sorry, they are home uh, now, Good and because uh, <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're home now, and um, uh, we'll usually try and watch a family film together, and oh, nice. then, uh, have a few drinks, and and you know just get ready for the big guy to to arrive. There was a big tradition in my household to to wait for the ghost story for Christmas to come on. Yes, That's the old very Mr. True. James mm. stories. Yeah. My wife's family used to open presents the night before, just before they went to bed. We sometimes allow one one gift on Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> And I think isn't there some some country in Europe where it's the tradition is to give books on Christmas Eve, and then everyone just spends the whole day reading. It's probably a Scandi country, isn't it? Probably a Scandi country. They're quite refined. Certainly not Great Britain. Right. Would you? Should we open up the advent the advent door? Oh yes, please. And see Go what's on, inside. Then. Okay. Gosh, look at that. What's inside? It's a gift for you two. Wow. From me. And it's the gift of knowledge. One thing, Neil, that I've actually moaned about a bit on this podcast is that unwittingly, I seem to have become a world expert 
in a very, very specific area of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Namely, the first Dalek episodes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I feel, I, I just feel this has been like, I don't know how this has happened. Just, I never asked for it. I never wanted it. I've, it might I mean, come in handy one day. You never know. I do. And I mean, in recent weeks, I have watched an actual epi- episode off my own back of Doctor Who without anyone asking me and not having to record it or anything. I've become interested in the Hooniverse and what's going on with the 60th. But you know what I mean? It's like mm. I, I find myself reading articles about it and stuff. And the other day, I, I, I went and bought this. Oh, <laughs> wow. Fantastic. That is yeah. quite I think, nice. yeah, you might have to describe it, man. Well, it is, I'm <laughs> holding up a, uh, it's not a, not a thin volume. Uh, it's uh, a book that uh, is called Doctor Who, the Handbook, the first Doctor, the William Hartnell years, 1963 to 66. <laughs> oh my God. Very specific. It's so specific. And the reason I bought it is because one of the things that we were chatting about when you came on and you were um, helping us look at the Daleks in the non-canonical Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 Mm. was this idea of Doctor Who is is an alien. And and we know he's an alien, obviously, now. But the idea that has sort of, like, interested me is, like, was that always part of the plan? Mm. And, I mean, you said it was, didn't you? But basically, that was the conclusion. But it was... It's, it wasn't backed up with much fact. No, that's <laughs> the way I prefer it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I thought he was. It was always part of the plan. Yeah. Um, and um, this is where you're going to prove me wrong. No, I'm not at all. I'm no? going to, I'm oh, going to okay. say you're absolutely right. But wow. I now know. I can now give you the facts if you if you're interested. Fantastic. That's my gift to you both. Is the, this... the, the the gift of knowing for certain that Doctor Who is an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, after after we did the recording for that, I was watch I rewatched um the you know the drama about the the origins of, of Doctor Who as a show. Yes. Um, is it Adventure in Space and Time? That's it. Yeah, um, that's it. yeah. And and they they touch on that a little bit in there, but okay. um uh yeah, so it was it was interesting. So yes, I am primed to, to learn more. Please Oh tell. brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Bright. I'm gonna dive in. You are you're absolutely right when you say that it was always part of the plan. And in this fabulous book, the Doctor Who handbook, they talk about establishing the myth of Doctor Who. For example, you probably know all of this, but this is news to me. So there is an episode called Hundred Thousand BC, um, where Ian addresses the doctor as dr foreman oh this leads the doctor to crease his brow and mutter hey doctor who what's he talking about (laughs) um (laughs) so which which according to this leaves little doubt that doctor who is not his name but apparently foreman is the name that susan took for school records because it's the name on the junkyard doors yeah Uh... the, the the junkyard doors it says it's i m foreman yeah, I've always found that really interesting. Is is who owned that junkyard? Yeah. Why Why was the TARDIS, you know, uh, hiding away there? Why were they living there? Yeah. Um, was I, the I name. One other thing about that that I found out from this book is that Doctor Who and Susan have lived on Earth for five months previously to the first episode beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so and he, he eventually abandons her on another planet. 
He does. He does. <laughs> so, so this name, I am for, could that be I am for men? Well, this is this is what I've wondered. I think there's potentially two. In my head, there's two meanings for it. I am for men, or I am like before men. Before like for, men you know that right. in my head, that's how I rationalise it. <laughs> saying, Stephen, are you that the junkyard might have been a a sort of a gay nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings on a whole new meaning. Now, the uh, also the 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 notion of granddaughterness for for mm. Susan. Again, according to this, they say there is little doubt that she is indeed his granddaughter. Inside the spaceship, which I'm assuming is a, an episode, he mm. refers to himself as being Susan's grandfather. But what is never explained is the whereabouts of doc, the, the doctor's own son or daughter, or at least a, 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 at the at the pressing of this book. Any more news on that? No, that's still still the case. He, he's been, uh, he she have been very enigmatic about their their extended family. There has been other references to uh, being him being a dad um, of having children of having family, right. um, but but we've never met anyone. Um, we've never <clears throat> had any kind of explanation, uh, you know, anymore uh, since Susan left about what, what's happened to her and the relationship there as well, and whether whether or not she is a a time lord in the same way that she can regenerate in the way that the doctor uh, the doctor can. So there's right. the, the scope there, and there's certainly been lots of um, extended, you know, soft canon stories about things like that. But as far as the TV series goes, no, that's still. Uh, still very much an enigmatic part of it. What does soft canon mean? I, well, I would just say it's kind of, you know, you've got the audio stories and stop it, Stephen. Um, you've got <laughs> <laughs> you've got audio Not stories. Now, love. I've got a soft canon. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Santa's coming tonight. Come on. Um, and books and things like that. And I think they are, they are canon until... Uh, the TV series says they're not canon. So in the same okay. way, I think, you, you know, so that they, they extend the universe until, but the TV series is kind of the prime. That is, you know, that is canon. definitely canon. And yeah. the other bits are canon until someone says they're not canon. I okay, guess. fair enough. Um, now on the nature of his alienness and their alienness in the episode 100,000 BC, the Doctor tells Ian and Barbara Susan and I are cut off from our own planet without friends or protection. So he sort of like admits from his own mouth that he is alien in that. And I noticed as well when we were rewatching um, <laughs> that first, those first Dalek film, the first Dalek episodes, that he. Do you remember the bit where there's a an atrophied lizard? Yeah. Yes. Ian says something like, "Well, that's not normal," and the Doctor says, "Well, no, not on your planet," and. So even in that, I'd completely missed that in the, the first. It took me three watches of that <laughs> episodes to pick up on that. Um, so um, in the Sensorites, does this mean anything to you, these titles? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan confirms, Grandfather and I don't come from Earth. It's ages since we've seen our planet. It's quite like Earth, but the night at sky is a burnt orange and the leaves on the trees are bright silver. Oh. Um, so, so she gives some details of that, and is that Gallifrey that she's talking about? 
Yeah, she's talking about Gallifrey, but it hasn't. It still hasn't been named at that at that at point. That stage, it's kind of, yeah. yeah, the the there's the, the details of his home planet are gradually added to and, and solidified over those first few years. Okay, so he really become. We've spoken about this before, but he really becomes an alien when they bring in the idea of regeneration. Well, I mean, I mean he's the, all this is pre that. Yeah. All this is pre that. All this mm. chat that they're the doing kind of, about yeah, so. they use that, don't they? They say, well, if he's an alien, he can regenerate. That's yeah. right. When when it becomes obvious that William Hartnell can't yeah. can't carry on with this, I mean, that's what the that drama um, posits, doesn't it? I mm. remember there's yeah. a meet, there's a meeting, a high top level meeting, isn't there, where they that's they, right, they, yeah. they make that decision. But yeah, you're, um, you're right. I think um, you've got me thinking now about the whole two hearts thing. Um, you know, they've they've added over the years more slightly alien esque qualities to his character but i'm just wondering whether the two hearts thing was a i feel like it might have been a pertwee era thing but but whether or not it's earlier than that it could well be um so yeah i guess they've they've, they've started off with him being more human but then the regeneration is the the really big yes um alien thing that he's he's that capable he does. of doing yeah there's a bit in here where it delves into the physiology um, and then they say that, that he's very human. Like it says it, in the episode inside the spaceship, he cuts his head. Um, and in the sensor rights, he's attacked by an unseen assailant and knocks unconscious. So he, he acts very much like a, like he's human. Mm. So presumably on Gallifrey, there must be a very uh, earth-like situation, mustn't it? I suppose. 1970 in the very first <clears throat> John Pertwee third doctor episode, the spearhead from space. It is established that the doctor possesses two hearts. Oh, very good. Carol Ann Ford, who played Susan, uh, postulated uh, her own theory about what had led the doctor and Susan to, to escape their planet she said that their own planet had undergone some violent natural catastrophe. I think that it's later established that he's stolen the TARDIS right. um, and that, that he's either running away or is bored of Gallifrey's kind of pomp and um, ceremony and, and it just wants to get out and explore the universe. So I think, again, they've added bits and pieces to it as it's <clears throat> developed. Great, okay. So there's loads of bits like that. That there's there's lots more sort of like uh, chat from the Doctor and Susan about their mm. their alienness. But also in this this book is the production diaries that people had, and there's some jolly interesting stuff in there that I'm going to talk to, talk to you about now. One thing that you'll like, Stephen, is that there was some um, a, a memo, a memo. Dated Wednesday, the twenty fifth of July, nineteen sixty two, and this is when they were coming. They were trying to. They knew they wanted a sci fi series, and they were, they basically had tasked a load of different people to sort of come up with ideas. Where John Braben and Alice Frick present a report to Donald Wilson about the sort of the sort of science fiction stories that that they think they should be doing. And the, the 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 first two points are one they should not include bug-eyed monsters, and two the central characters should not be tin robots, since the audience always subconsciously say, "My goodness, there's a man in there, and he isn't playing the part very well." <laughs> I thought that's like that's our observations of, of, of robot films. That should be the legend above the TARDIS. <laughs> yes, no tin robots. They then talk about that again. This is f- even further down the line. We're now in Wednesday, the fifteenth of 
May 1963. So this is from Wednesday, the 15th of May 1963, uh, where they've named D- Doctor Who as the character that they're going to uh, make a series about. And this is from a memo, um, I think, from Bunny Bunny Webber. <laughs> so, so brilliant. All these so names. BBC. Yeah. And it says, here's a, this is what they wrote about Doctor Who. It says, a name given to him by his three earthly friends, because neither he nor they know who he is. Doctor Who is about 650 years old, frail looking but wiry and tough like an old turkey, uh, which is amply demonstrated whenever he's forced to run from danger. His watery blue eyes are continually looking around in bewilderment and occasionally a look of utter malevolence clouds his face as he suspects his earthly friends of being part of some conspiracy. He seems not to remember where he comes from, but he has flashes of garbled memory which indicate that he was involved in a galactic war and stills fears pursuit by some undefined enemy. Because he is somewhat pathetic, his three friends continually try to help him find his way home, but they are never sure of his motives. Now, like they've like, stolen him from Shady Pines. <laughs> yeah, do, don't they? There's, um, a, there's a lot in there, though. That, that, there's a lot of the character in there, which is is yeah. It's good to see that it's there at that early stage. Yeah, and I quite like that mystery element to it as well that he doesn't know. That's quite quite good. But this, fun. that's never part of the series, is it? No, no. I suppose the the nearest they've got to that is recently with the um, this kind of uh, timeless child story arc where. The, there's a revelation that he's not from Gallifrey, as he always thought that that he was from. I know. Um, so he's from somewhere else as a child before he came to Gallifrey, and um, he he had a much bigger role in um, the development of Gallifrey uh, society and regeneration and all of that. So that's quite a new thing that they're still, I would say, still unpacking. Really, it's only been in the last year or two that that's been added added into the the mythos. Yeah, but it's interesting that that's obviously Doctor Who came about from that that the idea of that character or having mm. those character traits, and yet once those character traits disappeared, they still retain the name Doctor Who. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of like the, they've stuck with the it, even though it doesn't quite make sense after a while, after a while. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's worked. It's all a bit Enid Blyton-y. If you look at where, the way America tackled um, science fiction, it was like the Twilight Zone, mm. things like that. They didn't have like an adventurish type thing like that in the in the nineteen late fifties and through the sixties. But we tackled it in a completely different way. We sort of created the first family in space, which will go on to be lost in space, and then Star Trek as another family in space. Mm. Yeah. So you've got this kind of bonding. I like the idea that he's a, a wayward orphan that goes to Gallifrey and causes sort of kicks off. Yeah. 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 And but, then and then and then becomes the most absentee father ever. Well, yes. yeah. We don't know. He's who just his kids massively are. dysfunctional. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's very dysfunctional. I suppose that they're they're diff- it's different though to the twilight zone and things like that because it's it's aimed at a different time slot isn't it i mean it's it's very specifically yeah. designed to be watched by young fam- families and yeah and young people and a lot in those mm. production diaries there's lots of references to keeping in mind the audience but it's still pushed uh it might have had that Enid Blyton um formula in there that you're talking about Stephen but it's still got it really did push the the kind of level of creepiness and horror that you could get away with at that time of Time, time of day to that audience mm. um, certainly in those first few years especially so yeah. um, I think it pushed against that um, family 
dynamic and and added in a lot more to it, which is probably why it's still around now. Yeah. Now, Neil, you've overstayed yeah. your welcome. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I've got some, I've got some I've got a, a nut roast in the oven that's going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll so I'll, off. Yes, I'd ask you to take your soft cannon and leave, please. Right, you are. I shall, I shall, I shall grab it under my arm, pull, pull my shoes back on, and wish you both a very merry Christmas and get out. Brilliant! Happy Christmas, Neil, and to you. I hope it's, I hope it's a good one. I hope you get some robots under your Christmas tree. Ah, oh, thank you. Some shit robots. Some shit robots. Yeah. That's what and a like Merry Christmas after. from me. And and let's hope the Yuletide log doesn't fall from your hearth and burn your house down. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least we can hope for. Yes. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff. Thanks, Neil. You're welcome. It's been lovely chatting to you, as always. This is Alan again. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, I'm really here because Matt and Stephen forgot to record an outro to this episode. So they asked me if I'd fill in for them. So, um, well, I suppose um, have a happy Christmas. Make sure that you leave out um, like mince pie and some sherry or something for Santa uh, maybe um, a carrot or some milk or something for Rudolph and I hope you get everything you want for Christmas there'll be another episode coming along tomorrow on Christmas Day for when you're bored of chatting to your family and you just want to have five minutes um and yeah uh, happy christmas and have a happy new year bye so happy christmas i love you baby i can see a better place where all our dreams come true